ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Now let's turn to the co-author of one of my favorite books, The Go-Giver. Bob Burke is coming to us from what I'm hoping is sunny Jupiter, Florida. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Chicky. How are you? I am doing just great. And uh, I was uh, very, very blessed to have your co-author, John Mann, on uh, a couple of weeks ago and just had a, a great time with him talking about giving, which is an unusual topic uh, to mix with the, the topic of innovation. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, first, and by the way, you know, John is just, uh, and I'm sure that was a terrific interview because he's a great guy, and he was really, you know, the person that, who, who was the storyteller behind this book. He's a, an amazing writer, so I was really honored to uh, have an opportunity to work on this with him. Uh, you know, I think we're, we're giving or go-giving uh, uh, has to do with innovation. Is it is more or less just, you know, innovating ourselves and, and understanding the importance of a change in focus, which basically says that when you... When when you shift your focus from from getting to giving, in this case, let's define that as when you're constantly and consistently adding value to others, you come to realize that not only is it a, a nice way to live life, which it definitely is, but it's also a very profitable way as well. Well, that's an interesting perspective. And actually, one of the reasons why I picked you is I, I took a look at uh, what you've been doing on really the subject of, of sales, which... Uh, is really the the core topic behind the book, The Go-Giver. Uh, the major character is, is someone who is is struggling in their life, meeting meeting their sales goals. And I know that uh, a lot of folks out there who are listening today um, are, are challenged in the same way. Uh, perhaps uh, you know for different reasons. I don't think your character had a financial and economic crisis uh, uh, globally on his hands, but he did have a personal crisis. Sure. Why don't you tell us, uh, you know, really the inspiration behind the book, and then, you know, we'll talk uh, a little bit about how that contradicts traditional wisdom in the marketplace. Sure. Well, you know, Joe is sort of the, the every person who has his own challenges, and one of the things about Joe was that he had the attitude of being what we call a go-taker. You know, so often uh, John and I are asked, so gosh, you know, you, you talk about, you call the book the go-giver, and, and uh, we're used to the term go-getter being a good term. Are you and John saying that, that being a go-getter is a bad thing? And of course the answer is no. Being a go-getter is a great thing. It's a terrific thing because go-getters by their very nature are the type of people who get things done. You know, they take action, Chickie, and as you know, without action, nothing happens. The opposite of a, of a go-giver is not a go-getter. The opposite of a go-giver is a go-taker. That person who seems to feel almost entitled, if you will, to, to get, get, get without having added value to the process, the person, the situation, what have you, which is how a lot of people are because they think that's what business is. Now, at the beginning of the, of the story, Joe, indeed, he was a go-getter, but he had the heart of a go-taker. You know, everything was about himself. Everything was about what he was entitled and what he should have and so forth. That was his focus. Now, as he met the various characters in the book, uh, the various mentors, and as he 
took in their information, as he embraced it, but also as he took action on it, because as you'll recall, the the, um, condition that he had to abide by in order to be mentored was that he had to actually apply every law that night before he went to sleep. So action's a big part of this. Now what happened is Joe transformed beautifully throughout the book from a guy who was, who still became a go, who was still a go-getter. He was still a person of action, but now he had the heart of a go-giver. And that's what made, you know, what made all the difference. Now, when we say go-giver, we're we're simply referring to that man or woman who has all the attributes of a successful person. And one of those reasons is because they've learned, uh, or perhaps they intuitively knew, a very basic principle of success, Chicky, which I know you know, and that is the person who can take their eyes off of themselves in order to focus on contribution and adding value to others, that's the person who accomplishes the most. And when we say uh, take your eyes off yourself, focus on others, we absolutely don't mean that in a self-sacrificing or martyr type of way, not at all. Right. Uh, you know what yeah. we're talking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. What we're talking about here really is extremely practical. It's following a methodology that allows you to be principle-based while doing very, very well for yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, you you couch that in in terms called the laws of stratospheric success. Now, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to enjoy stratospheric success uh, (laughs) in their lives. And, you know, what you just articulated is that law number one, which is is the law of value. Can, Can you just expound on that just a little bit more? Because I think you know, instinctively, people want to do this, but, uh, you know, sometimes I don't think that they know how. Well, I think that's a great point. I think intuitively people do understand that doing well and doing good is in total alignment with each other, but we're, we're taught through, whether it's a combination of upbringing, schooling, environment, uh, the media that we watch, or, or movies or TV shows where certainly so many times the storyline is the good person is poor and struggling but happy, right? They're always poor. The good people are always poor, but happy. Uh, but they're always taken advantage of, stepped on, put down, picked on by the rich person who's always evil and nasty and so <laughs> forth. And so that's the training so many people have, which does not make for a good attitude of prosperity. And so we almost have to unlearn those lessons that we're hit with so often. And really, that's what John and I have tried to do in the book. So the first law, as you mentioned, is the law of value, which simply says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, this is somewhat counterintuitive to hear, in a sense. I mean, if you didn't know better, you'd almost think that giving more in value than you take in payment would be a recipe for bankruptcy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important that we understand the definition of each of those, those terms, because price is a dollar amount. It's a dollar figure. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing to the end user. May I, uh, may I share an example that I think will, will clarify that? Oh, absolutely. Please do. Okay. Let's say you hire an accountant, which I guess this would be about the right time of year, right? <laughs> you hire an accountant to do your tax returns. And this person, he, he charges you, and we're going to just say $1,000 to name a, a round figure, charges you $1,000. That's his fee. That's his, his price. But through his diligence, his desire to add value, 
um, his caring about about adding value to the process, he saves you well over three thousand dollars that you wouldn't have known how to save yourself just from not being an accountant. He also saves you the thirty hours of pulling out your hair at the ridiculous tax codes and saves you uh, or or provides you security in knowing it was done correctly, so you're not going to get in any trouble. So while his price was a thousand dollars, the value or use value he provided was well over three thousand dollars. That's the difference between price and value. He gave you much more in use value than what you paid, yet he also made a great profit. And that's how we want to always say that's how we want our relationships to be with our, our customers and clients, with those with whom we do business. That's how we approach sales, business, and giving in general. It reminds me of a, a great statement by a guy named Wallace D. Waddles, author of the 1910 classic, The Science of Getting Rich, one of my favorite books. He wrote, give every person more in use value than you take from them in cash value. That way you're adding to the life of the world with every business transaction. I like that. Well, you know, I would actually say it uh, another way too is, is that it's really the law of value that brings people back. Sure. Right? Yeah, now, well, now, that's you can you can get a customer once by dropping your price, but you can only keep him by providing value. It, you're absolutely right and you'll also get referrals with that kind of value too. And Absolutely. that sort of goes into the, the next law a little bit, which is the, uh, the law of compensation. And the law of compensation says that your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one uh, says to provide more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you add that kind of exceptional value to, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. We go back to our accountant again, who did such a great job, right, of providing so much more in value than he took in payment. So if you're his client, I'm going to assume you probably feel pretty good about him. Uh, you'd probably want to do business with him again, which you you just alluded to. You'd also probably want to tell others about him and suggest they do business with him as well. Right. And here's the thing. See, many of his other current clients feel the same way. So our accountant is very quickly amassing what I call an army of personal walking ambassadors. I love that term. Yeah. That, that jumped off the page at me when I reread the book this week. Yeah, and you know, and here's the thing: as he continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, his income continues to grow and grow. And you know, it's the same chicky for the realtor, the financial advisor, the local banker, the computer salesperson, the restaurant owner, the corporate CEO, the small business owner. It doesn't matter. It's the same for you and me. Our incomes are determined by how many people we serve and, and how well we serve them. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I remember years and years ago when I was just starting to really get my legs in sales and was really starting to, you know, to kind of come around and know what I was doing. And I remember there was a guy at the company where I was working, older guy, just about to retire, had a long and distinguished career, and offered me some unsolicited advice. And fortunately, throughout my career, I've been very lucky that I've always been very open to others' advice. <laughs> So I've gotten to learn from a whole lot of mentors along the way. But I remember he said, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money, don't make money your target. Make serving a lot of people your target. Mm. Now, he said, if you hit that target enough times, you'll get a reward, and that reward will be money, and you can do with that money whatever you choose. But remember that money is only the reward for hitting the target. It's not the target itself. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah, that's 
very, very powerful. You know, as we look at those first couple of laws, um, you know, clearly the key is adding value, which does get people to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and when you're trying to be nice about things, you know, there, there is an inherent reward to that. But, you know, we all see, and particularly with the news today, about all of these folks, uh, you know, in finance and, and in these companies, the insurance companies and the mortgage companies, uh, who got extremely wealthy and who maybe weren't so nice uh, while making those fortunes. Um, you know, are they reaping the benefit of some of these principles, but just not adhering to the spirit? Uh, not really, but it's a great question, and it can be explained in a couple of ways. First of all, there are, while there are five laws that all need to be followed in order to be successful financially in being a go-giver, one can be financially successful without following all five of the laws. They have to follow the first two. Now, and I want to talk first about the, the honest people who've done this, and that is even the ones who weren't nice, even the ones throughout history and today who don't care about being a go-giver, who really don't care about adding value, for them to have made a fortune financially in a free enterprise-based economy, they had to at least do the first two things. They had to provide incredible value, and they had to touch the lives of a lot of people. For example, you know, you go back in history a little bit, and, and let's take someone like Henry Ford. If you really study the life of Henry Ford, he was not a nice human being. I just, you know, I hate to say it, he just was not. But he added some significant value to the world, and that is mass transportation. He made it affordable, and it, it upped the the quality of life for the masses, okay, and he reaped the rewards financially. You take someone like Rockefeller, who before he got old and charitable was, again, not a, a warm, fuzzy person, but what value did he bring to the world? He provided for the masses uh, clean, affordable oil, which again, sent an uptick in the quality of life for everyone, wealthy, middle class, and poor. Okay, so, and then you got, you've got someone who, you know, a few years back, Debbie Fields, who found a better way to make a chocolate chip cookie, which people loved. She added significant value and a lovely person, great human being. And, and again, those first two things, she, a lot of people ate those cookies, which are much more in value than what she charges, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, the masses love them. But there's also people who, uh, or let's say this, there's another way to be able to do this, too. And a lot of these bankers and a lot of these people who, in this current economic situation, who made a lot of money, they were not operating out of a free enterprise-based economy, okay? They were getting a whole lot of government favors. Right. You know, a lot of people, and in the, the media seems to be very fond of saying that this recent economic crisis came about because of unfettered regulation. That's absolutely such a falsehood, it's not even funny. Uh, this was done because of, of favors and corporatism and kinmanship all the way around. And a lot of people were able to profit without adding honest value. So the laws of stratospheric success uh, only operate fully in a free enterprise-based economy. But within that free enterprise-based economy, they absolutely work. So let's talk about uh, the next law, which is the law of influence. Sure. Uh, the law actually, been... before you start, let, let me just remind those who are listening online that if you want to ask a question, you can go to the show page on blogtalkradio.com slash solutions live. There's a chat window in the middle of the screen, or if you prefer, you can call in to 
727-2840 if you want to ask Bob a question live. Okay, back to the law of influence. The, uh, the law of influence, Chicky, simply says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, uh, again, this sounds counterproductive at best and downright Pollyanna-ish at worst. In fact, it's actually very practical. You know, in the story, Joe learns from the ultra-successful Sam what I call the golden rule of business or the golden rule of sales, the golden rule of networking, which simply says all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. There's no faster, there's no more powerful, there's no more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you and others than by putting their interests first. Determining, and I'm talking about before you even get the opportunity to do business with them, how you can in some way help them, how you can somehow add significant value to their lives, make their lives less painful, more fun, more helpful, you know, whatever it is that they would find of value. Uh, and the, the successful people totally embrace this. And John and I were just delighted from the get-go when we would get emails from people who, who bought lots of books for their companies because they wanted a go-giver philosophy going through their company. And these were already very successful people. And some of the comments were, you know, thank you for putting into words what I've been trying to teach these people for years. Mm-hmm. So the successful people already know this. You know, in his great book, Networking for Life, Thomas Powers calls this the willing suspension of self-interest. You know how you go to the movies, we have what's called the willing suspension of disbelief. Uh, You know, we know it's just a movie, right? It's just a story. But in order to enjoy it, we suspend our disbelief. We make believe that what's on the screen is real. I mean, you know, we know that Bruce Willis doesn't really break up a terrorist ring in less than 75 minutes after insulting the head terrorist who has a gun pointed at his head. But we suspend our disbelief. Uh, we want to now. In this case, Chickie, we're simply suspending our self-interest, not foregoing of it, but suspending it. See, we know that the more we give and the more value we add to people's lives, we know the more we're going to get back uh, for very practical reasons. Because as you do this, you're just planting so many seeds of goodwill, of great will with others, that you become known as that person of value. But here's the trick. The trick is uh, that you cannot give in order to receive. Right. So that ties right into law number four, which is the law of authenticity. Right, which simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. See, the, 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 the go-giver, the successful person who follows these principles, they're not giving in order to get. They're not giving in order to receive. They're giving because they love to give. It's like Sam says in the book, giving is not a strategy, it's a way of life. You give because you love to add value to the lives of others. You give because it's who you are. And because it's who you are, it's what you do. Now, in the story, Deborah Davenport learned a very valuable lesson. She learned that you know you could have all the sales skills, the technical skills, the people skills, and they're all for naught if you're not authentic, if you're not your true self, if you don't have that kind of integrity where everything you think and everything you say and everything you do are in total alignment. And it's not that the skills are not important. The skills are very important. It's just that without being yourself and being able to communicate that authenticity, it's simply all for naught. But when you have that, boy, there's a power to it, which is just an amazing thing. And, And people respond to that kind of authenticity. 
Absolutely. In fact, I've got the author of the book, Authenticity, on uh, next Tuesday. And uh, Joe Pine, if you if you don't know him well, uh, just uh, has understood the power of that principle, you know, all by itself. But I, Good. I'll have to get sure Joe's you, book. Yeah, and he'll he'll need to get yours if he hasn't read it. So I'm going to make sure to tell tell him that I mentioned it today. Great. Um, you know, the the last law actually seems to be the one, Bob, that everyone has the most trouble about. And when I when I talked to John. Uh, two weeks on my uh, two weeks ago on my show, he actually told a little story about you, and uh, I believe it was your assistant uh, at the time that you guys were were getting ready uh, to write the book. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Well, you know the the law number five, and you're right. It, it's the law of receptivity, which simply says the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. Now, in the story, as you recall, Pindar, the main mentor, asks Joe to slowly exhale while Pindar counts to 30. Now, Joe begins, but of course, in short time, he runs out of breath. He can't continue. He says, well, I can't just breathe out. I've got to breathe in as well. And and Pindar says, but Joe, what if I told you it's been medically proven that breathing out is actually healthier than breathing in? Joe says, well, that's silly. You've got to do both. You've got to breathe out and breathe in. Exactly. See, it's both. You breathe out and you breathe in. You breathe out, which is giving. You breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are simply two sides of the very same coin. They operate fully only in tandem. And and as Jen, I love what John says, trying to focus on just one side of the equation while minimizing the other is not only an exercise in futility, it's actually counterproductive because, as you know, every giving is possible only because it's also a receiving. Every receiving is possible only because it's also a giving. Now, getting to what you you, uh, alluded to, uh, many people have trouble receiving. I had that trouble for a long time. It was something I had to get over be- before I could really see uh, abundance coming in, ob- you know, for obvious reasons. And and yet, and you know, we all have our own reasons, maybe why we don't allow ourselves to receive. It might be a, a lack of self-esteem. It might be a control issue. It might be, you know, we've been told it's better to give than to receive, so you shouldn't. Re- I, you know, lots of reasons. What happened with me? Because here I feel like, you know, I've really gotten over that part, and that, you know, we all have to work on it and stay conscious of it if that's a a challenge with us, and I, I had told John the story that we had uh, the, our uh, bookkeeper come in to do some work, and, and she was sitting at the, the computer at the desk rather, and she was uh, you know using a pen to to write. And I really liked the pen. I liked the design of the pen. It wasn't a fancy pen, but I, I liked the design. So I said, Trina, I said, what? Uh, where do you get that? I'm going to go uh, buy one myself. And she goes, Oh no, here I've got plenty of them. I have this one. And my natural response was what? Oh, no, no, I can't take your pen. She said, no, really, have it. It's yours. No, I, I wouldn't feel right. She said, Bob, why can't you take it? I said, Trina, I wouldn't feel right. It's your pen. So she looked at me and said, Bob, it's really a, a very simple two-step process. Number one, take the pen. Number two, say thank you. <laughs> and I thought, you know, here I am. I just co-authored a book on this where this is one of the major laws, right? And I was doing the same thing. She said, how often do we continue to teach what we need to continue to learn? Now, we might say, and this is important, Chicky, someone might say, well, Bob, it's just a pen. It's a small thing. You allow yourself the big thing. No, I disagree. It's not a small thing. It's never a small thing. Right. You know, one of my clients, T. Harvecker, I speak at a lot of his major uh, functions. He wrote a great book, New York Times bestseller, um, uh, called uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And one of the sayings in his book, which I think is just terrific, he says, how you do anything is how you'll do everything. everything. 
So when we're trying, yeah, when we're trying to learn something, a new habit or a new way of doing things, we need to approach everything, even the small things, as though it's something major. Because accepting that pen is what allows you to accept the other things in life too uh, that perhaps have more value. Wow, you know that that is just so powerful. And I've got to tell you, it, it's funny because uh, Saturday night I went to bed and you know had every intention of sleeping the night through. And at one in the morning, I woke up wide awake. And I got up, and sitting on the edge of my desk was was uh, the book The Go-Giver. And I had read it. Uh, I don't know if you even know the story, but I, I had picked it up in a, in a uh, bookstore in the Atlanta airport uh, a year ago on January 4th, to be precise, and, you know, got in the airplane to fly home to Tampa. And by the time I had hit the Tampa jet bridge, uh, I had finished the book. And for those who haven't read the book, um, you know, it is widely available. And I think Bob will tell you at the end where he prefers for you to get the book. But at any rate, it, you know, it's basically, if you're a strong reader, it's a one-hour read. If, you know, if you're a slow reader, maybe uh, allow two hours. But, you know, I, I read the book cover to cover, you know, at 1 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and walked into church Sunday morning, and our pastor, uh, the the topic on the screen, because we meet in a movie theater, and, and, you know, he's got a PowerPoint, and it was like, the power of giving. And it's like, mm. okay, you know, God, you are very, very funny. You know, I knew what this book contained, and I knew the power of the book when I first read it. And I actually went through uh, some kind of private morning thinking, you know, I read it a whole year ago. You know, I haven't done anything you know and then god just smacked me right in the face and it's like no you've been doing everything uh. and, and you know i mean it really really uh reinforced now i need to you know i need to fine tune and as i look at those five laws but you know i i, I looked back and thought uh, of of the things i could have done differently but you know today is today and and now i can move forward and i can share these truths with others and it's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on and i mean you and i could talk probably for another hour about this so i probably should have you back on to talk about some of your sales books because uh you're best known for your book uh endless referrals network your everyday contacts into sales and uh i'm going to have to head over to the uh bookstore and get a copy of that um, but I would love to have you back on, Bob. Uh, you just have have such amazing insights, and I know that these books are are just as appropriate, uh, you know, for people who aren't business professionals. You mentioned that earlier. And uh, why don't you tell people uh, how to get a hold of your book and how to get a hold of you? Sure, and and thank you so much for your very kind words. John and I have both been so encouraged. You know, the book sold over 110,000 copies in its first year, and we know it happened because of people like you, people who uh, who adapted, or let's say adopted and then adapted and then told other people about it. Because not something like this doesn't sell that much without a whole lot of people telling others. So we we really appreciate that. Uh, and you know, regarding stories of of applying this information. I welcome people to go to the Go-Giver blog because John and I uh, typically tell stories about how, and we repeat stories from others who've been able to, to benefit. You can just go to www.thegogiver.com and you can go to the blog page if you'd like. But while you're at the site, you can actually get a, a free download of chapter one of the book to see if you relate to the story. And from there, you can either click through to Amazon.com and purchase your own copy or Barnes & Noble and Borders both have major displays. Uh, I actually have book. it on, on my site as well. Uh, oh, good. Yes, yeah, so that, that people can get a hold of it. But I will warn them, 
don't just buy one copy because this is a book that you will want to give away uh, to everyone. It's a know. gift book, and people have been using that. I, I appreciate your saying that. Yeah, I mean, I every time I buy it, I buy five copies, and uh, you know, and as quickly as I buy them, it seems that they're gone. I, I've uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it just had such an amazing impact. And, and the part of the story that I didn't tell Bob was that when I got off the plane, you know, as soon as I walked in the door, I found your blog, and I actually did post, and John responded to me the next day. And then when I asked him to be on my show two weeks ago on, on our launch show on the subject of giving, he said, oh, you're the one who bought the book in Atlanta and read it by the time you got to Tampa. And it's like, wow, what an amazing memory. Oh, yeah, we remember the story. We talked about that. Absolutely. So for Absolutely. those of you who think that you're just going to put a comment on a blog that will just, you know, go off into the blog sphere, uh, you know, and, and die a quiet death, that's <laughs> not the way it happens with these Now, guys. John and I are very active on the blog. We we just love our community of go-givers. And, uh it, 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 it's just been a really fun uh, interchange with everybody. So yeah, and there, there's a there's a community also on Facebook. I found last night uh, after uh, dialoguing with you uh, on your Facebook. Account. Well, there's a, just so you know, there's a couple on there that are are not actually kind of ours that people right. have started, but there is one that we did. It's called the Go Givers. Okay, great. And yeah, that's the one that actually is our group that we that we started, and we you know we appreciate others doing it too, uh, but but it's not a group that's actually affiliated with our with our book. The one that is on Facebook is the Go Givers, okay. and we we uh, welcome everyone to uh, join that. Well, great. Well, Bob, I really appreciate you making time this morning, and uh, just go and have a great day, and keep leaving behind that legacy. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks, Chicky, and keep doing what you do because you are adding some terrific value, my friend. Okay, thank you, dear. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chicky Fitzgerald. <laughs>